Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Panic Boom! It was a night like any other. As sheets of rain soaked the gray, lifeless streets of the city, I turned the handle of my apartment door and stepped inside. As I looked around the empty, dusty old room that doubled as my office, a grim but familiar sense of dread washed over me. I took off my hat, threw my trench coat over the battered leather armchair, and grabbed the half-empty bottle of whiskey from the side. I pulled myself a glass and slumped into the chair. The only light in the room came from the flashing neon sign belonging to the new fish and chip shop that had just opened across the street. It was called Frying Nemo. On another day, in a different life, I might have chuckled at that. But not today. Not today. I could hear that voice again, that insidious whisper. It was her voice, but it couldn't be her. She was gone. It's your turn, you know. Your turn to host a podcast. I can't. I can't do it, I replied to no one. The voice was right. It was my turn. I knew my only way out of this dead-end life was to make it big with Jimmy and the boys at Arcade Attack. But it had been so long since I'd hosted a whole podcast. What game would I choose? More importantly, would I be able to do it justice? Wrapped with the usual doubts, I lit a cigarette to steady my nerves. I grabbed the nearest dog-eared magazine from the piles around me and began leafing through it mindlessly. It was then, by the warm amber glow of my lucky strike, that I saw it. The tagline that changed everything. An epic tale of crime and corruption in the land of the living dead. It jumped out at me instantly, as if the words had lifted off the page and were suspended in the smoke I exhaled. Could this be it? Could this be our ticket out of here? There was only one way to find out. Welcome to the Arcade Attack Podcast. <laughs> hey, 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 bravo. Uh, that's too much no. pressure now for future oh. intros, isn't it? Oh. The, the pressure's off. As intros go, bloody good. Oh. Frank Nemo. Frank Nemo, come on. Come on. I was oh. going to pinch myself laughing. I have to stop myself. Yeah. Thanks. Um, hello. Well, I'm your host, Keith, and I hope you enjoyed that little film noir-inspired intro. It seemed like the most appropriate way to start a podcast about the single greatest film noir adventure game set in the Aztec land of the dead. That game, well, there you go. (laughs) That game, of course, is Grim Fandango. And joining us on our journey to the ninth level of the underworld today are Dylan, hello, James, (laughs) hello, and the glottis to my Manny Calavera, Adrian. (laughs) That's kind of say, would it glottis? It would, it would, it would. So what is it? What is it? What is it? So what is it? So Grim Fandango. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a 1998 adventure game. It was directed by... The Tim Schafer himself. Tim Schafer. And developed and published by... Lucas Arts. Yes, for Windows. Um, and this was the only way you could play it until 2015. Mm-hmm. The only way you could play it. And then a remastered version was released for PS4, uh, PlayStation Vita, Windows, Mac, Linux, Android, and iOS. And then eventually... Eventually, eventually, in 2018, it was made available for Nintendo Switch. I thought you were going to say. And then in 2020, you could finally play it on Xbox. Oh, just a short time after the original <laughs> just release. 22 then. years later, God. yes. Um, I played the remaster, obviously. Didn't have access to a PC back in the day. Um, 
they didn't change too much with the remaster. The mm-hmm. game itself was essentially the same. They changed the lighting um, and some of the polygons were tidied up. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it remains the same. It's the same, essentially the same game. Um, so before we talk about it, get into it, what's everyone's experience of Grim Fandango? Have you played it? When? I've played about how, an hour of it. When? The other day. Okay. How? <laughs> what did you play it on? No, not Game Pass. Not uh, Game Pass. I had it on my um, Steam library from. Oh, okay. Yonks ago. Yonks ago. Yeah. Okay. You still got Game Pass in there. We're, we're less yeah, than. I know. We're right? less we're than five even... minutes into a pod. I said not Game Pass, but it <laughs> is on Game Pass. Game Pass. <laughs> it is on Game Pass. He still uttered the words. Hey. Yeah, I've. Um, so it came out. What year did it come out again? Nineteen ninety-eight. So around that time, I did get a demo disc. Uh, so I have played it before. The demo of it years and years ago. Uh, I got stuck very soon and it's only a demo so I think mm. I'd probably put about half an hour into it and since then I haven't played it uh, well, many many years since I played it a few years ago I bought like a um, a LucasArts kind of package on Steam might have been the same one actually and you know when you sometimes think I'll buy this game they say why don't you buy them together mm. and they include the dig Loom. That was it. Fa- Fate of Atlantis. When yeah. I bought Fate of Atlantis. I got all of those. Exactly. Yeah. You didn't get the Monkey Island games. I don't know if you got the same one. But you got all the other kind of obscure ones. So I played Fate of Atlantis. We did a pod on it. Yes. Then I played The Dig, which we didn't do a pod on. There you go. Sorry. Very good game, actually. Got I completed The Dig. And I was like, I do you want to play another game? Loom looks a bit weird. I did actually give Loom a bit of a go. I might get back into it. But I did start getting into, back into Grim Fandango. This was about two ah, years ago. Okay. And I didn't get past year one. Mm-hmm. I gave up. And then you told me. I kept talking to you about it. You yep. said, you've got to play Grim Fandango. I'm like, well, <laughs> I know, but, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I kind of got stuck. And you know, you've got to see it through. So I have now, I have completed the game key. Yay. I completed it about a month ago, I'd say. Fully Excellent. all the way through. Loved it. Nice. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. Spoiler. Oops, here we go. Hi, Jack again. <laughs> yeah. James. Probably the most fledgling of experience. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the thing is, I'm, I've I've watched um, I've watched side by side comparisons of like the original, the remaster, mm. just to kind of learn, you know, what they did originally, what they've done now. Yeah. I've looked at like, um, and I've, I've gone through quite a lot of um, you know gameplay footage from a couple of different um, streamers, etc., that have um, shown different parts of the game or the intro and the interactions, all the different, but. It, I mean, how I never pl- played this originally, because I had yeah. a PC at that time. I mean, and how I never played it, because I think I'd have loved it, mm. you know, and it looks mm. so weird and wacky, yeah, yeah, yeah. but cool, you know, and the, and the visuals are great. And you've got so much choice in terms of all the, the, the responses you can give. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched a fair bit of, of video footage of people playing okay. it, but, but I've not actually, actually played, played it myself. So, um, but that may have to change, I think, because it just looks like such a cool game. Yeah. So well, yeah. that was it. A bit like you. That was what attracted me to it was the look of it and the style yeah. of it. And I just thought this quirky because I've, I've never really I, played Lucas Arts Adventure. I games. found it a bit odd that you're like you've got to play this yeah. point and click game. Like, hello, I'm the point and click master over here. <laughs> well, the, I should be saying this. The way I played it, I I think I'm sure it was like a double pack thing on the PlayStation Store with Full Throttle remastered, which I haven't played yet. Which is another Tim Schafer game. Yeah. He was the it main was the guy. game before that he made before Grim Fandango. He remastered Full Throttle first, didn't he? I uh, believe so, yeah. Which I have, I've got that as well. That's yeah. I've got that as well, haven't we, we, we did do a pod on it. I did, we did, we did host yeah, it. yeah. So that was it, and, and for whatever reason, I decided to give Grim Fandango a Because you hate motorbikes, that's why. You knew that yeah, Full Throttle was most... that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely need to go back and play Full Throttle. Um, but yeah, so I played Grim Fandango, I loved it. This was a couple of years ago, played it all the way through. Um, 
and then yeah with a with a view to sort of doing a podcast i completed it again a few months back um while i was hassling a to, to hurry up and play it um so before we get into the game too much day of the dead imagery is obviously one of the big influences um on the game um but how much do we as brits really know about el dia de los muertos um i know it is a celebration in like mexico that's good there you go. I That's know good. Disney That's Pixar made a. I like the film. I know that everyone's a big fan of it, but Coco, I thought it had a good, yeah. a good heart to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Pixar film. It's aimed at kids, but I've got a good message. And that, I think, is relatively close to what the, the whole. The, I think yeah. I might be wrong. The here. idea behind the it. The idea behind yeah. it about, you know. Okay. Have, I'd, yeah. I'd echo exactly that. And obviously, the same thing as Dill. Yeah, I know, don't know an awful lot about it, but know okay. about so the celebration. I thought, I, and I, definitely I, the imagery. Yeah. yeah, the imagery is everywhere, you know, yeah. like the skulls and, you know. And so I thought, let me look into it. So it's a crash course on the Day of the Dead. Nice, lovely. So, the Day of the Dead, El Dia de los Muertos, I apologise for my poor Mexican oh, Spanish. Oh, pretty good. Is a Mexican holiday where families welcome back the souls of their deceased relatives for a brief reunion that includes food, drink and celebration. A blend of Mesoamerican ritual, European religion and Spanish culture, the holiday is celebrated each year from October 31st to November the 2nd. While October the 31st is, of course, Halloween, November the 2nd is All Souls Day or the Day of the Dead. According to tradition, the gates of heaven are opened at midnight on October the 31st and the spirits of children can rejoin their families for 24 hours. The spirits of adults can do the same on November 2nd. Um, So the roots of the Day of the Dead, as celebrated in Mexico um, and among those of Mexican heritage in the United States and around the world, go back some 3,000 years to the rituals honouring the dead in pre-Columbian Mesoamerica. The Aztecs and other Nahua people living in what is now central Mexico held a cyclical view of the universe and saw death as an integral, ever-present part of life. Upon dying, so this is kind of important for the plot of the game as well, about the underworld. And So upon dying, a person was believed to travel to Chikunamictlan, the land of the dead. Only after passing through nine challenging levels, a journey of several years, could the person's soul finally reach Mictlan, the final resting place. In Nahua rituals honouring the dead, family members provided food, water and tools to aid the deceased in this difficult journey. This inspired the contemporary Day of the Dead practice in which people leave food or other offerings on their loved ones' graves or set them out on makeshift altars called ofrendas in their homes. In medieval Spain, people would bring wine and pan de animas, spirit bread, to the graves of their loved ones on All Souls Day. They would also cover graves with flowers and light candles to illuminate the dead souls' way back to their homes on earth. In the 16th century, Spanish conquistadors brought such traditions with them to the New World, along with a darker view of death influenced by the devastation of the bubonic plague. Um, how do we celebrate it now? Um, it's not as commonly thought just a Mexican version of Halloween, mm. um, although the two holidays do share some traditions, including costumes and parades. Mm. On the Day of the Dead, it's believed that the border between the spirit world and the real world dissolve. During this brief period, the souls of the dead awaken and return to the living world to feast, drink, dance and play music with their loved ones. In turn, the living family members treat the deceased as honoured guests in their celebrations and leave the deceased's favourite foods and offer, offering, offer <laughs> other offerings at grave sites or on the offrenders built in their homes. The most prominent symbols related to the Day of the Dead are calacas, which is the word for skeletons, mm. and calaveras, ah, which is the word it, 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 skulls. That's oh, literally right. what that, that's, that's ah, what it means. Yeah. Which you know, well, um, in the early 20th century, there was a printer and cartoonist called Jose Guadalupe, 
um, uh, incorporated skeletal figures into his art, mocking politicians and commenting on revolutionary politics. His most well-known work, La Calavera Katrina, or Elegant Skull, features a female skeleton adorned with makeup and dressed in fancy clothes. Um, this 1910 etching was intended as a statement about Mexicans adopting European fashions over their own heritage and traditions. Um, La Calavera Katrina was then adopted as one of the most recognisable Day of the Dead icons. So, as we all know, during contemporary Day of the Dead festivities, people commonly wear skull masks, eat sugar candy moulded into the shape of skulls, um, and uh, the pan de animas of all Souls Day rituals in Spain is reflected in pan de muerto, the traditional sweet baked good of the Day of the Dead celebrations. Other food and drink associated with the holiday, but consumed year-round as well, include spicy dark chocolate and the corn-based drink called atole, or atole, I don't know how you say that. Have a go. You can wish someone a happy Day of the Dead by saying Feliz Dia de los Muertos. Feliz Dia de los Muertos. There you go. So I've got most of that in information from a really good article on history.com. Nice. So thank you very much, history.com. Yeah. So I feel, I feel so well and truly up to speed now. There you go. So yeah, excellent. That Wikipedia. I thought it was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from the Day of the Dead, we're going to sharp turn into a film noir. Mm. How those would you... two don't combine, do they? They don't combine. We can't combine those. <laughs> You'll never make a game with those two, innit? No. <laughs> How would you guys define film noir? Can't. Dill can't. I, I always when I, I know what it is, it, but I can't actually define it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I picture black and white, yeah. smoky. I kind of today we got to, you know, I woke up this morning, I got to solve this crime. I don't know what to do. Kind of attitude. I woke up this morning, a pool full of blood. I didn't know where I was. Max Payne, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, was, Max Payne. Maybe it's like a modern noir. Modern it? story. Yeah. 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 Film noir is more set in the thirties, maybe. Yeah. Kind of that kind of Dick Tracy kind of look. Yeah, di- yeah. That's, that's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. I might Half be way bottle off. of whiskeys, Tommy guns, cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like soft lighting. Kind of very fancy mirrors and yeah, like kind of shadows. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't can't really put your finger on it though, can you? Can well, it I tried. Def- I tried to find a definition for it. So, film noir is a stylized genre of film marked by pessimism, fatalism, and cynicism. The term was originally used in France, funnily enough, after World War II to describe American thriller or detective films in the 1940s and 50s. Mm. Although Hollywood's film noir stretches back to the 1920s. Film noir literally translates to, translates to black cinema, and French critics used it to describe Hollywood movies that were saturated with a darkness and pessimism not seen before. Um, it's hard to say really if it's a genre or a style of film, um, and the elements of a film noir that I'm about to sort of go through don't all have to be present for a film to be considered noir, but they're all quite common with the style. So I've kind of I've looked at the elements of film noir and then just referenced them to to, to the game and see if you agree Aid, as, as you played through it so yes. you always have like an anti-hero protagonist mm-hmm. they're my favourite heroes I've decided I would say Manny is an anti-hero protagonist mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Femme Fatale Met- yeah. Meche yeah yeah, yeah 100% um, tight concise dialogue mm-hmm. the, again we're talking about the game but yeah, the dialogue yeah. is excellent in this game it's brilliant it's funny it? it's interesting it's really funny some point click games I'm not going to you know, I wouldn't say it's really LucasArts, but you kind of skip through it very quickly. Mm. But this one, you actually you want to choose, you want to listen. Yeah, I agree. The dialogue's brilliant. Um, high contrast lighting, now, especially in the remaster. You know, when you get like the lighting coming through a blind and, and stuff like that, it's fantastic. Um, and another one that was really part of it was post-war dis- disillusionment, which I think sort of added to like the pessimism and the yeah. cynicism and the Down, outlook of those kind of films. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
we're almost done with this, but if you're interested in looking into the genre, some of the most famous examples include The Maltese Falcon. Yep. Uh, Laura. The Blue Dahlia. Um, Touch of Evil. You know, don't, don't mm, Touch of Evil. Not that one. It's um, regarded as one of Orson Welles' best films. And mm. Casablanca as well, of course. Oh. Of course. Good old Casablanca. Yeah. So, how did Grim Fandango come about? And why is it such a spectacular sort of combination of these two cultural... I don't know, would you call them cultural landmarks? They have the dead film noir. I have an idea. Well, by this time, Tim Schafer was the bee's knees at LucasArts. He was. Let's be honest. Yep. By then, uh, Ron Gilbert would have left. Uh, Dave Grossman, I think, wouldn't have been there as well. These are the, the, the big people that really started the company. And really, you know, the, There's much more big names you know, mm. I can mention. We've interviewed quite a few of them, actually. There you go. Mm. Uh, but by this time, Tim Schafer basically had full control. So, uh, not full control, but if he wanted to make a game based on freeway cola, he could make a game based on freeway cola, couldn't he? It's up yeah. to him. He had that much gravitas after the success of his previous titles. Other cola brands are available. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing I just saw in front of me. But I reckon, that he, I, again, I, I'm assuming this, but I reckon he's very interested in both those areas. And, and, it, and because he had so much power and influence then, he could do whatever he wanted. How's this for an idea? We're going to combine these two genres. Well, Nobody uh, could say no. Let's see if Aid was right. So Grim Fandango's development was led by Tim Schafer. Uh, he was co-designer on Day of the, Day of the Tentacle. And obviously Excellent he created Full Throttle. Um, yes. And he was also known more recently for Psychonauts. Never um, played it. And no, I played I Broken Age. I don't think I mentioned oh, okay. that. No, that wasn't on my... Nope. Broken Age is another point Slash and click Wikipedia game. Page. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. it's another point and click game. It's very good actually, and you can sort of control. It's kind of set in the future. It's mm. kind of it's really interesting graphics. You control two different people, do at the same sort of time. You can click between, and they're eventually they're, the two stories overlap. So when was that? Like, was it? So I'm that was say part, that was after Grim Fandango, way way after, yeah, but okay. before the remaster. Yeah, so it's probably about in the 2010. I, I, people shouting at me now, but okay. it's, it is a good game. I would check it out. So he conceived a Day of the Dead themed adventure before production of Full Throttle began, and he submitted both concepts to LucasArts for approval at the same time. Um, oh. Full Throttle was accepted instead because they felt it had a greater mainstream appeal. Obviously, trying to sell this, and these guys a bit film noir, it's a bit Day of the Dead. Whereas, oh, this one's about biker gangs, and it was an easier sell. Mm. So they accepted Full Throttle. Um, but because it was such a huge hit, obviously, like you said, it kind of gave him the sway to say, now we can make yeah. the other game that I want to make. So it opened a way for him to create Grim Fandango. Um, obviously, as we've mentioned a few times, it combines several Aztec beliefs of the afterlife of the underworld. Um, with 1930s Art Deco design and a dark plot reminiscent of the film noir genre. The Aztec motifs were influenced by Schaefer's decade-long fascination with the folklore, uh, and he recognised the potential for the four-year journey of the soul in the afterlife as the setting for an adventure game. Is it, so the four years? It's that's, so that's how long it, they, it's supposed to take. It's four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously that relates to the four years in the game. Because I, I was thinking that you said earlier there's mm. like nine levels. Yes. So part of me is thinking, why can't it be like nine years nine or years. nine levels? Wow. Yeah. I know, I know, point and click games aren't levels mm. based, really. You know, but I just thought that'd be quite interesting. nine chapters. But four years makes sense now. Yeah. Got it. So, so it was expected that the four year journey um, is how long that would it would take you to to reach the ninth level of the underworld. Mm. Um, so uh, Tim Schafer once stated that once he decided on the afterlife setting he then thought what role would a person want to play in that scenario in the Day of the, the, day of the Dead scenario mm. obviously you want to be the Grim Reaper mm -hmm. of course you would yeah. <laughs> um, and that's how Manny got his job 
Um, then I imagined him picking up people in the land of the t- living and bringing them to the land of the dead, like he's really just a glorified limo or a taxi driver. So the idea came of Manny having this really mundane job that looks glamorous because he has the robe and the scythe, but really he's just punching the clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, Schaefer recounted that in Mexican folklore, the dead were buried with two bags of gold to be used in the afterlife, one on their chest and one hidden in their coffin, such that if the spirits in the afterlife stole the one in the chest, they would still have the hidden bag of gold. Um, and he loved this idea of a criminal element still existing in the afterlife. Um, and that led to his idea of a crime ridden sort of film noir style to the world of Grim Fandango. Um, he opted to give the conversation-heavy game the flavour of film noir set in the 30s and 40s, saying that there's something that I feel is really honest about the way people talk that's different from modern movies. Which, mm-hmm. I, I guess, depends on <laughs> how much film noir you've watched. I, I suppose, I, I suppose often there is talking and pessimism in, in honesty, I suppose, is there? Or True. I, I suppose, could, depending on how yeah. you look at it. But, yeah. 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 Honest, honesty can be brutal, can't it? It can. It yeah. Can. But also that kind of like straight talking, I suppose. No, no, no frills. Yeah. 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 Um, there were several particular film noir movies that he used as inspiration for much of the game's plot and characters. Um, he said that the true inspiration was drawn from films like Double Indemnity, in which a weak and undistinguished insurance salesman finds himself entangled in a murder plot. Um, and there are several scenes in the game that are directly inspired by genre films, such as The Maltese Falcon, The Third Man, Key Largo, and most notably Casablanca. Um, two characters in the game's second act are directly modelled after the roles played by Peter Law and Claude Rains in the film. The main villain, Hector Lamont. He's great. Yeah, he was designed to resemble the character of Signor Ferrari from Casablanca. Um, and his voice was also modelled after the, the actor who played him. Is he the one with the moustache? Even though he's a skeleton, or is that someone else? Um, has he got a moustache? He's the big guy. He's obviously the, he's the yeah. main baddie. Yeah. Um, oh, has he got a moustache? Uh, he had like a trademark chuckle. Yeah. And that was based on the actor that played uh, Signor Ferrari in Casablanca. Signor Ferrari. <laughs> Not Enzo Ferrari. Not Enzo obviously. Ferrari. Not um, to be confused. Visually, the game drew inspiration from various sources. Uh, the skeletal character designs were, of course, based largely on the Kalaka figures used in the Day of the Dead, um, while the architecture ranged from Art Deco skyscrapers at the beginning to an Aztec temple in the, the fourth yeah, year. Yeah, um, The team turned to LucasArts artist Peter Chan to create the Kalaka figures. I've emailed him. Have you? And I actually asked him, would you ever want to do an interview for Arcade Attack? And yeah. He said, oh, so- thank you for the lovely invite, but I'm too shy, I don't want to do it. Oh, really? But he said... But here's Bill Tiller's email. Ask Bill. We already have oh, Bill And then that's why I'm going to turn it to Bill. <laughs> oh, Bill did a lot of the backgrounds for Monkey Island, the third Monkey oh. Island game. So, and did a full, I think he does some other stuff as well. But yeah, yeah. Peter Chan, I've got his email. He's very, very, very nice, very humble, very, very polite to me. But I just, maybe I'll try and twist his arm a little bit more, I reckon. When we get a text interview, if you don't want. Yeah, maybe. But he, he's done some brilliant art for Yes, for, he for seems some... like a really cool guy. Because um, if you go on YouTube, they, they made a whole web series following the making of the remastered game. Yeah, um, and going through the the work that went into sort of redoing mm. the lighting and the polygon graphics, and, and it, they re-recorded the soundtrack as well. So there's lots of cool stuff in there. Um, and Peter Chan is in it talking about yeah the, the sort of inspirations for the designs and stuff like that. Um, the art of Ed Big Daddy Roth was used as inspiration for the designs of the hot rods and the demon characters like Glottis. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with his artwork. Um, if you Google him, you probably would recognise it. Um, he yeah, do like these sort of crazy kind of hot rod designs with like 
kind of monster demon looking characters driving them with their tongues hanging out and like bulging eyes and stuff it rings, just, it rings yeah, a hell of a bell yeah. yeah so yeah can i just say something go on one of my favorite bits of glottis and this, i don't know if you noticed <laughs> like, it's so silly go on. but one of his pupils is bigger than the other yes it's just yeah. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's giving hard, you the eye it's just because he's kind of a bit crazy a little yeah, bit off, off his head and that just one pupil slightly bigger than the other <laughs> I was like, is that a mis- it's not a mistake it's just i don't think so it I just adds to like the craziness of his look i like glottis a lot just gonna say that um <laughs> And originally, Schaefer had come up with the name, so different names for the game, Deeds of the Dead, Yeah, as he had originally planned Manny to be a real estate agent, so Deeds of the Dead. Other potential titles included The Long Siesta and Dirt Nap, before he came up up with the title Grim Fandango. Um, Development began soon after the completion. Why is it called, called, I mean, Grim Grim Reaper, but was Fandango? What is a fandango? Is Will it a you dance? Do the fandango. Is it a dance? It's a dance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think. Do you know? Do you it's know what? Dance. Maybe it's the dance of the Grim Reaper. Even yeah. before I played the dance game properly, the Keith, years ago, and my wife would tell. And when it, I, I always say, I say, it's Grim Fandango, as in. Uh, what you use it as a phrase? As a phrase for something that's, that's a bad terrible or, dance. No, as in, as in Grim, grim Fandango. In, uh, it, well, uh, I'm sorry, Tim, but we say it as a negative. It's such a oh, Grim Fandangos and stuff. It's okay. so funny. I've, I've, obviously, from the game originally, I got it, but that is a Grim Fandango. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Fandango is a is a lively partner dance originating from Portugal and Spain. All right, James, let's step up. Let's give it a go. Do it. <laughs> Scaramouche. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, traditionally accompanied by guitars, castanets, and hand clapping. Oh, there you go. There you are. Buddy! Demonstrate, in case, in case you've never heard any clapping listening to Demonstration. Yeah, just to give you that hand sound clapping. effect. <laughs> um, what yes, we like. Development began soon after the completion of Full, Full Throttle in June 1995. Um, Grim Fandango was an attempt by LucasArts to rejuvenate the graphic adventure genre, which was now starting to decline. Um, in response to complaints that Full Throttle was too short, Schaefer set the goal of having twice as many puzzles as Full Throttle, which demanded a more lengthy and ambitious story uh, to accommodate them. According to Schaefer, the game was developed on a $3 million budget. It was the first LucasArts adventure since Labyrinth not to use the Scum engine, instead using... Do you know what the engine was called for this one? Oh, and, blimey. I was just spoken to the man that made Scum engine. It was called Grim something, wasn't it? It was uh, Grim uh, with two uh, M's. Uh, 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 it wasn't. It oh. wa- well... It's, it wasn't, it wasn't. So it's the Star Wars. It was based on the engine used in Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Oh, nice. Oh. It was called the Sith engine. Um, yes, and that, that, was the ba- that was the basis of the new Grime engine. Grime, Grime. And the Grime That's engine grime. was built uh, using the scripting language called Lua. This design decision was due to LucasArts programmer Brett Mag- Mogilevsky's interest in the language and is considered one of the first uses of Lua in gaming apl- applications. Check out Adrian's interview oh, with no. Brett. Do I? Is this for my more on time? Grim Fandango? I have to say, Brett was great. He's a mm. really good guest. He gave some great stories. He did, that. Yeah. And, you know, he was again. He was honest. He was he? honest. And I, I hate we don't. We're not a negative bunch, no. but I think it's fair to say that him and Tim didn't always see mm. eye to eye. And he's quite honest, but he was, he was respectful. But they had a few arg- not arguments, disagreements, maybe. And it's an interesting development. It wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. No. But my point is, when I spoke to him, I did say, oh, I love Grim Panda. It's great. It's such a great... And in my slight defense, I had played the demo before then, but not the full game. So, sorry, Brett. I kind of sort of bs my way a little you bit lied. through it. <gasps> it's a great interview. Look at me shaking his There's head. There's that honesty again. 
Dylan's like, what? Why am I letting him do these interviews? He's smirching the good name of our candidate. <laughs> <laughs> how, late, how good is our name? Not great. Is let's be good? honest. <laughs> but it's a great interview. Oh, it's a, there's a lot of interesting background stuff on the making of Grim Van Vanguard, so you check that out. Um, the success of the game led to that language of Lua, the scripting language. It was used in many other games and applications, including Escape from Monkey Island. Yeah, which is the oh, kind of, free, of it. it's 3D, isn't it? It's the 3D one, I believe. Mm. Um, it's, it's the full fun in the series. It's not my favourite Monkey Island. It might even be, well... I didn't particularly... It was all right. It was good. It was okay. You did really well to not say the worst. Yeah. Then. You managed to avoid it. Well, Return to Monkey Island, I'm sure it's going to be excellent. Which it should be out now when this pod comes out. So there you go. Ooh, it was also used as the language for Baldur's Gate. Dark Alliance? Ooh, no. Just Baldur's Gate. Just Baldur's, Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. Gate. Ah. Yeah. The PC one. So, um, obviously, one of the things that stood out about Grim Fandango compared to LucasArts' previous games was the 3D. Mm-hmm. 3D looks the first time they've made a game... The polygons based on so it. Monkey Island Four was before or after this then. After I mean, this, are you sure? Okay, I must. Well, I, considering I, that I've they, f- yeah, could, because this was the first game where they used the Lua scripting language, and then I'll Google it. Are you checking? Because because I thought that's Dylan's research. That this noise. was the last point and click game LucasArts ever made. Grim Fandango. Oh, I might be wrong. It I, was. I, Maybe they were around the same time then. It came right. Up. Escape from Monkey Island was made in. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Keep rolling because it's still loading. Still loading. <laughs> still loading. <laughs> still 2000. There you go. I apologise. That's okay. Whoa. That's okay. I apologize. Apologize. Got something sense wrong. based on what I had written Adrian down. got something so. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if, it has not got favourable <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Uh, well, you got that. Uh, sorry, the oh, yeah. the free and again, I, I've only played the remark. Well, the properly the remaster of Grim yeah. Fandango, but the Monkey Island 3D one's clunky. Have you played it? Has anyone else played no, it? No, no, mm. I've no, never even. Some of the puzzles are good. Some it. of the jokes are quite funny, but it, I like the the 2D Monkey Island art. Give me 2D. Well, 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 as I hate to sit there saying, give me 2D. Let's talk about the 3D design <laughs> for Grim Fandango. <laughs> so Grim Fandango mixed static pre-rendered background images with 3D characters and objects. Love that look, obviously. Love it. Oh, oh. Resident Evil. Yeah. Mm. Um, part of this decision was based on how the Kalaka figures would appear in three dimensions. Um, there were more than 90 sets and 50 characters in the game to be created and rendered. Manny's character alone comprised of 250 poly- polygons, which in a modern game is nothing, but obviously yeah. in 1998, quite a lot. Um, the development team found that by utilising three-dimensional models to pre-render the backgrounds, they could alter the camera shot to achieve more effective or dramatic angles for certain scenes mm. simply by re-rendering the background instead of having to have an artist redraw it for a traditional 2D adventure game. Um, they also adapted the engine to allow Manny's head to move separately from his body so that he can make the player aware of objects nearby. Um, the 3D engine also aided in the choreography between the spoken dialogue and the body and arm movements of the characters. Additionally, full motion video cutscenes were incorporated to advance the plot using the same in-game style for the characters and backgrounds to make them nearly indistinguishable from the actual game, which in the mid-90s... That's a quite big often, deal. Yeah, That's you a know, think, again, mentioned Resident Evil, the cutscenes were so different from the graphics mm-hmm. in-game. Yeah. You know, it was a bit jarring. <laughs> but in Grim Fandango, it's, it is like watching just a continuation yeah, I've of the game. That's very cool. Mm. I spoke about this in, the, in the, a previous pod, but uh, Black Mirror, Black Mirror, Mirror's Edge even, the first game, mm. the cutscenes are like cartoons. So you're oh. playing this kind of 3D game, and, you, and then the cutscenes are almost 
very good quality, but just cartoon kind yeah. of animation. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, they they basically made the cutscenes how the game the would game. look. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I quite like the cartoon look. So yeah, sometimes so it's it, more charming. It, yeah, it's more charming. And, and so, I'm not, but again, the cutscenes are very well done mm. in Green Fandango. I like the way it's, it's just kind of seamless. It's just like mm. continuing the story. So the setting of Grim Fandango, as we've said a few times, takes place in the land of the dead. Um, and the story of the game takes place in the eighth underworld. Yes, the so it takes place in the eighth underworld of the, of the land of the dead, where recently departed souls aim to make their way to the land of eternal rest, yeah. which is the ninth underworld, on the four-year journey of the soul. Good deeds in life are rewarded by access to better travel packages provided mm-hmm. by the DOD, which stands for... Um, day, day of Department of, of the Dead. Close enough. <laughs> Department of Death. Oh, there you go. To assist in making the journey easier, such as sports cars and luxury ocean cruises. The best of which yeah. is the number nine, an express train that takes just four minutes rather than four years to reach the ninth underworld. Well, we, I, I wanted what? to ask, what transport would we get? Oh, I, I don't get, think I, I get the train. No, I get I the cane with the compass that he gets, <laughs> the guy gets at the beginning. Dylan would have like a Skoda, wouldn't he? And I'd have a Skoda. I'd have a car. Skoda. I think I would have a car. Yeah. But in yeah. fairness, a Skoda would probably get you there now. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's been 20 years, 25 years ago, maybe not. It's a but Volkswagen underneath. <laughs> How would yeah. you double the value of a Skoda? Cut it in half. You fill the tank up with petrol. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Such nineties jokes you've got going on. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely more relevant in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> this game's in the night to keep at me. You laughed. You laughed. I laughed. I clapped. I had a good time. Um, yes. So souls who did not lead a kind life are left to travel through the land of the dead on foot. Mm. Such souls mm. often lose faith in the existence of the ninth underworld and instead find jobs and stay in the land of the dead. The travel agents of the Department of Death act as the Grim Reaper to escort the souls from the land of the living to the land of the dead and then determine which mode of transport the soul has merited. Mm-hmm. Each year on the Day of the Dead, these souls are allowed to visit their families in the land of the living. The souls in the land of the dead appear as skeletal Kalaka figures. Alongside them are demons, like Glottis, that have been summoned to help with the more mundane tasks of day-to-day life. Such as vehicle maintenance or bartending, yeah. Yeah. the souls themselves can suffer death within death by being sprouted. Yeah, with the flower bullet yes, things. They, they result of being shot with sproutella-filled darts that cause flowers to grow out through their bones. Oh no! So you can be killed in the land of the dead. You do see Ooh. that? No, you are already like, dead. You do see that? Virtual. Dead, double dead. dead. In Coco, you can redive. Everyone forgets you. I don't know if you remember oh, that in the film. Okay. So that's why photos are important in Coco. If if you if you're completely forgotten, you've got no memories. Mm. Then you that you sort of die within the. Is that fair, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's oh, it. yeah. Fa- it's in, in something I've been watching recently. They talk about that. It's like you live as long as the last person who remembers you. You live on as long as the last person who remembers you. Yes. Makes sense, doesn't it? Which is a, a fair shout. Yeah. Well, we, luckily, oh, yeah. we, we've got over yeah. 200 odd podcasts, so we'll be living for a long time if people keep discovering us, <laughs> haven't we? Live, that's true. We're going to live forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> um,. Many of the characters are Mexican and occasional Spanish words are interspersed into the English dialogue, yeah. resulting in a form of Spanglish. Um, many of the characters in the game smoke following a film noir tradition, um, although the original game manual asks players to consider the fact that every smoker in the game is dead. <laughs> yeah. Which is a really nice touch. Which is a fair That's point. That's awesome, yeah. isn't it? Very fair. Yeah. That's a good way of being able to include it That's to cool. stick with the film noir thing. But, you know, they're already dead guys, so... Right, so now let's have a look at the story. So, Aid, so I'm going to pull you in oh, no. to help me look at puzzles and things. So, but I'm going to go through what happens in story. So, this is the spoiler warning now. Yeah. 
Um, you've been warned. Dale's not going to play it through. I will. I don't think it will ruin your enjoyment of the game, James. I will, Um, because it's a tenner on Xbox, and I might give it a go. go But but do you know what? I I think this is going to enhance it rather than spoil it. Yeah, but if anyone listening wants to play it and doesn't want any spoilers, this is the time Time to to stop listening and go and play it. Um, So, as we've mentioned, the game is divided into four acts, each taking place on November 2nd, the Day of the Dead, in four consecutive years. Hmm. So, year one. Manuel Manny Calavera is a travel agent at the Department of Death in the city of El Maro, forced into his job to work off a debt to the powers that be. Um, now, we never find out what this debt is. I, I thought we'd find out at the end. No, you don't. You don't find out what it you is. You never find out what it is, what he's done. Um, but he kind of hints throughout the game that he didn't exactly live a good life. And actually, interesting, some of the characters in the game, they often hint about why they're not why they're still why there. They're there. They yeah. never all, and a lot of them don't give you a proper answer, but I think that's quite clever. You always mm. want to... It's quite intriguing, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you sort of expect to find out at the end why Manny was there, but you don't. And I guess it kind of doesn't matter. You just need to... I he maybe know. didn't live a make, perfect life. Just but, lets you make your own conclusions yeah, about him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Manny is frustrated with being assigned clients that must take the four-year journey due to their poor living choices and is threatened to be fired by his boss, Don Copal, if he does not come up with better clients. Manny steals a client, Mercedes Meche Colomar, from his successful co-worker, Domino Hurley. The department computers assign Meche to the four-year journey, even though Manny believes she should have a guaranteed spot on the number nine due to her pureness of heart in life. After setting Meche on her way, Manny investigates further and finds that Domino and Don have been rigging the system to deny many clients double-end tickets, mm-hmm. hoarding them for the boss of the criminal underworld, Hector Lamont. Lamont then sells the tickets at an exorbitant price to those that can afford it. Manny recognises he cannot stop Hector at present and instead, with the help of his driver and speed demon Glottis, he tries to find Meche on her journey in the nearby petrified forest. During the trip, Manny encounters Salvador Sal Limones, the leader of the small underground organisation the Lost Souls Alliance, or LSA, who is aware of Hector's plans and recruits Manny to help. Manny arrives at the small port city of Rubacava and finds that he has beaten Meche there and waits for her to arrive. So that's year, year one. one, yeah. That's year one. That's just, that's a little summary of the plot in year one. Aid, year one. Talk to me. Well, so talk to me. Oh, talk man. to me. <laughs> Terry Tibbs. I have to say, and I, I, I like the game a lot. I think it's very good. Yeah. I actually like the 3D graphics. The reason I don't like the Monkey Island 3D graphics, sorry, from tangent, is because I'm used to the original looking for the Monkey Island. So that's my excuse yeah. for saying that. But I think the 3D actually adds to this. Mm. Year one took me a, a long time to get through. Mm. Okay, and I have to—I'll be honest with you, Keith. I stopped and started often going, "Oh, I'm stuck here. I'm getting a bit fed up." Because the puzzles are hard. Yes. So, for example, one puzzle that I found very hard—you uh, know, when you have to sort of those blobbing machines. Yes. And yeah. you have to sort of chuck. Sort you of have to. Put balloons. Up, you? you have to bung them up. You've got it in the correct order. Yes. And I thought oh, I've done it. And then you you go into the machine where the, you know the shoots where where the messages. Yeah. I've never seen that Futurama episode with uh, Hermes and it's got all the different all the tubes, all the, the tubes. Message, yeah, yeah. You got to stop that thing. So I thought, ah, oh, yes, I've got a card. I've got my playing cards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, finally, this is this is a tough. I put my card in. It didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, why isn't it working? So it's not, <laughs> hasn't got enough friction or something. Getting stressed. And I just, I thought, I just don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> But and Keith was like, so you, you had to cursing me going, oh, Keith. you had to look at a walkthrough, right? And then Keith was like, have you played Grim Fandate? I was like, <laughs> then, okay, I'm going to put, I did check a walkthrough. <laughs> There's a hole puncher on the, you had the hole puncher on the desk. Yes. And you oh, had the air don't go through. That's it. Did that, put the card in, managed to get the, the message. It, 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 it lets you get into, I think your bosses or your, your Domino's office. I think or... so. It links into that and you have to nick the gum shield and. Yes. Yeah. 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 
then you have to then of course you have to find coral or glowing coral and tie it to some string <laughs> yeah that's what you always do with coral <laughs> tie it to string this is why I stopped playing it it's some of the puzzles are really obscure I'm... it's like it's like some of the, the remember the Silent Hill 2 puzzle like with the cans of orange drink yeah, that you have I to that. that you ha- but you have to shove those down the disposal yeah. and it's I don't I know. That, just, yeah, because there was a certain logic to that. I suppose it wasn't. It was a bit more abstract. Not mm. as abstract as this. That's why I gave up. Yeah, yeah. This reminded me when I when I played started playing Grim Fandango. It reminded me of those point and click games that you could not do yourself. That nothing was logical mm. about it. Mm. And this is worse because you've had loads more rooms. It's all three D. It's easier to do in like two D rooms because you yeah. can just get all your items and kind of mash things like mash this over there or combine Add this. this there, there, there. I just couldn't do it, and I had to do that one. I had to look up. And maybe even the, the puzzle before that, the one after that, the thing with the, the coral and everything, I was like, I am beyond I am beyond mm. trying to play a game and keeping on looking at walkthroughs. So that's why I've been Well, involved. you eventually get to the roof uh, and there's pigeons, isn't there? Yes. And they have to, oh, what I thought was quite clever, you have to use the cat balloon. Oh, that's it, you, yeah. belie- you meet a balloon salesman early and he can do diff- different shapes, can't Very he? You've got to get that, some yeah. weird balloon off him as well, so you don't just get one balloon off him. He could do four, I think it's four different yeah. types. So what? Yeah. Where? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. It, uh, but isn't the game built on obscurity to a degree, though? Yeah, in terms of, but it's hard, it's hard to make those connections in your brain when you're trying yeah. to solve a puzzle, though. Well, um, you know, it, I mean, it makes no sense. James, go play. I like, I like left field. And um, it is left field. Yeah, the puzzles are some. I okay, it's worry on year one. Actually, I must mm. make a point because I don't remember Keith. There's only but, one bit in the game I think where you actually see the land of the living, and that's in yes, year one. Yeah, that's the freakiest I, bit I was, in the I'm game. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's so cool. So, um, Manny goes. To the land of the living. To is get that his in the diner? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you've seen that. And they, yeah. And, oh, yeah. That's when they got the weird the faces. faces they they kind of like cut out yeah. collage. They're like newspaper they? kind of yeah. so scrapbook weird. kind yeah. of cutouts. That's it's, weird. The, yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Mm. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I see. Yeah. It's like it's, it's the only time you go to the land of the living. And it's the most unnerving bit. Of the uh, whole yeah. Game I game think Manny comments on it as well. How freaky they look. Like how freaky finds the living. Maybe that's how living look for the dead. That's how they. Yeah. That's how the dead view the living. I thought that was a very interesting part. I thought in a way that could have been explored further, but in a weird way less is more you kind of get a yeah, feeling yeah, you, you get a little hint you'd rather it. be in the kind of in the land of the, the dead, land of the dead thank yeah, you. Yeah. I found year one I found you know the bit when you get to the caves in year one you have to drive through oh in the woods the petrified I was, forest I went through every you know yes. and I put the sign down I thought oh that points to that cave I'll oh, go through that you one. Have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that was so frustrating the bit with the sign it eventually points doesn't it to where but you're supposed to walk aren't you, you not keep drive the, yes you have to get out of the car and walk and sure then... those caves are almost like red herons they're not even there for any reason <laughs> I was not impressed <laughs> Dylan, I'm not even going to lie I used to walk through for most of the game Dill's staging a I'm silent protest be over this. Yeah, he's sorry. smacking his thumb <laughs> did you see is. that puzzle did you... no but it doesn't surprise me but the thing is even with the walkthrough that was difficult because you just walk there's a huge like area in the forest and you're just walking around putting the sign that is it here is it here? Is it here? And eventually it kind of guides you. And... I, again, I'm not, again, we're being honest, aren't we? So some yeah, of the puzzles yeah. are very clever and quite interesting. Like, mm. for example, I'm trying to think of a good one. I quite like the puzzle with those kind of demon moles or beavers. I thought that was quite clever. You had to get... Oh, in the forest, In yes. the forest. Yeah, 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 down yeah. And you had to throw the beavers. bones. I thought that was quite clever and time it properly and you can get <laughs> yeah. across it. Yeah, but Demon beavers, yeah. Yeah, no, some... <laughs> oh, no! Some some of the puzzles were were, were wacky mm. and crazy and and I had to use a walkthrough now and then I tried not to but I had so I got, you're a better man than me because I had to keep I wanted to keep going yes um I don't it's, it's controversial 
I don't think the puzzles are its strongest point. I think the story, the setting, the characters, and the look and feel of the game are its strongest point. Absolutely. I think some of the puzzles are good. Some of them are, are, are almost stop me playing the game. I think um, that's. We'll get to the uh, reception later on, but I think that's kind of the consensus. Exactly what you said there. That is probably yeah. the weakest part of the game. But the rest of it is so strong. There are. That, there are. You, know, you want to keep playing some really all. good puzzles. <laughs> There are some flashes of brilliance. Yeah. It's just some of them I find very... That doesn't quite... Dumb. I don't, well, in Monkey so Island, it's, it's, it's dumb Fair. to get like a chicken with a lever on its thingy. And it isn't, stuff. but the thing is like with those 2D games, because when they, they yeah. kind of constrain you to so many screens, they're easy to kind of get by power mm. of deduction. This Grim Fandango thing, you go for hours on this, and I was like, I am beyond this. I was just not. It's, it's fair. It's fair criticism. Sorry. It looks it lovely. sounds lovely. I love it. Apart from that. But then you have to do those to get through the game. You do. So. You do. What's just a question? Mm. What's what's average game time for year one? For me, I over mean, a year. I mean, I, I, Twenty-five <laughs> hours. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good question. If you're doing it and having to work the puzzles out, yeah, I mean, Aid can give you two hundred than me. I cheated. I like I said because I got that pack years ago, and actually, I think mm. out of all the games, even before, uh, mm. I think it was the first game I played, mm. and I must have played. Hours in, I couldn't get past a certain point. I should have done a walkthrough, really, but then I kind of sort of gave up with it. So it was over a year since I probably got through year one. Mm. <laughs> it's true. Wow. But then year two happened. I don't know if you talk. Okay, sorry. We're going to do them one at a time. So year one, yeah. So I mean, you, you, you're the best person to talk about the puzzles because I'm a massive cheat. Um, but I really love the, the look of the setting of yes. El Maro. Yes. Um, so you've obviously got their office building, which is all. Um, uh, art deco stylings and, no, and you could go outside and what i really like about it and again i suppose this is to do with like memory limitations and things like that it really gives you this great idea of what's going on without actually showing you so you go outside the building and when you go and meet the guy selling the balloons you've got this idea of the festival and the uh, carnival and everything going on the other side you can't even see it you can hear it there's yeah. a couple of like air balloons and things it's weird but oh, yeah weird, but like, you can't see any of it but it gives you the feeling of what's happening mm -hmm. and i don't know if you did this but if you run all the way in the opposite direction you can run towards the freeway yeah yeah it doesn't let you go very far you does can't it? go very far and there's nothing there and nothing moving there's no it's just a, a static background but there's loads of traffic noise and again it just gi it, it gives the illusion of like this it's, busy it's an open city. World, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah the get, sound design is very good yeah just, you know it looks lovely um, so I really like that and yeah, obviously you go off into the petrified forest which is like a, a massive kind of change in sort of it was, tone I assumed that would be the start of year two just because it was so different yeah but it wasn't obviously yeah. it was. um, and that's pretty cool and you've got like giant spiders and the beavers and stuff so. yeah were you pointing at me when you said beavers just because <laughs> you found demon beavers so funny but, well, and James loves beavers I wasn't <laughs> anyway year, year two kids. year two year two <laughs> Um, a year passes and the city of Ru Oh, actually, we, we haven't mentioned it. So at the end of year one, um, Manny meets his client from the beginning of the game in, is it like a laundromat or something? Yeah. Um, and he's just sweeping the floor um, and he gives Manny his mop and he's like, here you go. And then a year later, so Manny is very upwardly mobile, I think is the term, isn't it? So a year later, Manny has turned it into a casino and bar and he's suddenly yeah. this yeah. super successful yeah. um, business owner. Um, so years passed and the city of Rubicava has grown. Manny now runs his own nightclub off a converted automat near the, near the edge of the forest. Manny learns from Olivia Ofrenda, the owner of the Beatnik Blue Casket nightclub, that Don has been sprouted for letting the scandal be known and that Meche was recently seen with Domino leaving the port. 
Um, so Drinking, they play Car Wash quite a lot. Now, year two, year two, I think it's again the consensus. This is probably people's favorite year um, in the game. I don't know if you would agree with that, Aid, in terms of the location, the setting. Um, <laughs> he's like, he's thinking about, puzzles, he's thinking about it. I don't know about the, pu- about the puzzles, <laughs> how you feel about the puzzles. Do you want know a truthful answer for year two? Go on. I found it probably the most frustrating year in terms of the puzzles. And in stuff. terms of, okay. there's so many locations, there's so many characters. And there was, there was, I know there was a couple, maybe two or three overall missions. You had to get like a, a tag, you know, like a tag to get on the boat. You had to yeah, get yeah. tools and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was some, but to, I just found it quite, um, what's the word I'm thinking? Quite scary. It's like a lot to do. A bit overwhelming. Overwhelmed. That's a better word. I, and it, I did struggle with year two. It's funny. I got through year two and three and four were a lot easier for me personally. I don't know I why. Think three and four are a lot shorter, aren't they? A lot shorter. I think in terms of puzzles. Two, and two stuff. looks great and some yeah. parts. Of, some parts of two, I was a bit annoyed at though. Okay, I didn't. You didn't properly see the racetrack, did you? You didn't see because there's a big cat's race. I wanted to you see want that to see it. again. It's another one of those where it hints oh. at this matter. For, again, but I don't know why. I don't know if this is something to do with like the Day of the Dead that I'm not familiar with. But there's a racetrack that you go to where people place bets and stuff. But they like huge cats. Yeah. But you don't actually see it. You get no. as far as the steps. You can see like a still image of the crowd and the track. And then I think Manny says something like, oh, I don't like crowds. Yeah. And you can't go any further. Um, but yeah, no, I see again, you're, you're giving a nice, this is really, really good actually. You're giving a good idea of what it's like to try and play it without a walkthrough to do the puzzles <laughs> and stuff. Whereas I'm going, oh, doesn't it look nice? Isn't I quite you know, like the there's a bit there's a big litter tray, isn't there? Massive. Yes, it's giant like, cat litter tray. It's like a swimming pool, but with sand. Yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. can see it's you can it's is quite that, gross. That's when you're, are you trying having to get the is it can opener or something? Yeah, you or what is it? You have to get something from from there, and you use like a metal detector. I think oh, metal detector. Yeah, yeah. You, get, yeah. you use a metal. Te- I think you get the metal detector. Yeah. Don't you? you have to dive in or whatever. Oh, it's that's disgusting. it. Yeah, you have to dig but around. You have to use there. that for later. Cat litter tray. There's some really good bits in it. Like, you know, you got to talk to that, that, that lady, uh, and she, she, um, oh, what is it? What's that bit again? Um, is it the one with this, like, she's like the security desk? Security. Yeah, yeah. And, and she has to put stuff in a, I don't know, bunker and it sort of explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really cool, actually, I have to say. Um, again, though, the biggest red herring in the whole game, and it annoyed me, is that big air balloon. The airship. And I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I know it's in the sky, but yeah. it looks like you should be able to get there eventually, like yep. a ladder, but you never get to you the, airship. Get the airship. It's just float, it's just hovering there. And again, it's just like a still image, I think, but the sound of the motors and uh. it's when you're running across the bridge there. But like, did you go into the blue casket and did you do the, um, the stand up? Yeah, like the open mic that's thing, really clever poetry that and stuff. So you have to try and win the. Well, how would you call them? Kind of like so they're like well they're like beatnik kipstery poetry yeah. types, but they're also part of the LSA, like the underground. Yeah, you have to impress. Them. Yeah, yeah, you have to impress them with your with your poetry and stuff. That's quite a clever bit because yeah. you can select and it can. I think there is a right order, isn't it? I think, I think a, so. Yeah, for I was winging it and da, 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 that's always weird. <laughs> but it's just just so many cool elements. It's just a really cool sort of area to explore. Um, the tattoo artist and his little submarine. Yeah, and you had to, to distract him by yes. opening the fridge door, then opening another fridge door bit of it. So Tommy came round. Yeah, That's it. Yeah, little yeah. bits. Yeah, the tattoo artist was cool, and I quite liked actually the casino bit as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah the casino. Yeah. That's I mean, it's just it's just a really cool place to explore. Um, a good puzzle. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, no, but good. it is about a big, you know, the wine barrel, and you have to get from the yes. wine barrel. You have yeah, to get yeah. in the wine barrel at the start. Yeah. That took a while to get you. You had to go down to the cellar, and you you can control the pickup truck. If yeah, you know, correct. That's but it, you have yeah. to get there. Down. I was like, 
how on earth do you get this big it's a huge wine barrel so you have to empty it first yep. are you just reading words out of a dictionary at the moment wine barrel truck <laughs> yes, well, so, uh, so uh, Glottis is busy getting drunk at this private yeah, club yeah. isn't he um, and yeah you end up locking the that's what that's, that, uh, that always cracked me up as well like the French waiter that you lock in the because he, 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 he would he use yeah. your scythe to lock him in the cupboard and he's terrified of the dark the, the scythe's interesting because your infantry you changes you torture people I don't know <laughs> <laughs> technically the grim reaper so yeah but you, you apart from your scythe your infantry changes quite quickly between different yeah, years yeah. but yeah. your scythe is always, always there isn't there. it it's a mainstay yeah and you use your scythe probably at least once a year don't you it, yes. I would say for a puzzle yeah. you have to use it not as much as you might realise but you can use it to do certain mm. things yeah so that's quite fun yeah and you have to use the forklift truck to stop the lift but you have to put it in the right place oh that, that was a bit yeah yeah a bit fiddly um but yeah year two just i love it i just love ruba carver it's such a cool place and again it just does there's you don't actually meet that many characters but it gives a really good illusion of it being this buzzing Buffing. sort of and, yeah and like yeah. you said earlier it's not just skeletons you've got glottis obviously but you've got yeah, the, the yeah. bees who are like trade unionists aren't they who, yes yeah, yeah, yeah the bees yeah yeah and there's other monsters as well i think one of the monsters it, i think the waiter was a bit of a monster wasn't it the french waiter was he a, oh, was he a skeleton but definitely there's, yeah, there's a the monster guy that guard owns that nightclub is like a big pink monster yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah oh there's another bit I was going to mention I do, I do like Glottis he's funny though he's he? great yeah. I like the way he's introduced when yes. he backs out of his little hut his tiny little and he hut cut, he's like, yeah. he just squeezes his bum out of that's it <laughs> and, well, like, and Manny has to kind of persuade him that he's not too big for the cars the cars are too small yeah kind of like, <laughs> I, I can relate to that yeah. <laughs> yeah. everything in the world is everything in the, you're not too big yeah. everything in the world just, is too small they make everything Amen too to small that. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that, that bit at the beginning of year two actually as well when Manny's just sort of smoking a cigarette outside and then he goes down into the bar and Glottis is playing piano and they've got like the white suit jackets. That's very Casablanca, that whole thing. And I think the design of the bar and the nightclub is based on Casablanca. That's very cool. Very cool. Right, year three. Year three. So where do we leave Manny at the end of year two? He's got himself on the boat. boat. He has to complete a few missions. I love the... the, I actually quite like the... The old pirate, the ship captain. He's great. Yeah, he's quite funny. He's quite funny. Um, so yeah, he manages to get himself a job on the boat. That's how we leave it at the end of year two. At the beginning of year three, Manny is somehow the captain of the ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's killed the captain. <laughs> so hold on, he's, he's hold on a dead, This guy is amazing. So he, he is. takes in the, in, within a year, laundromat to nightclub. Yep. To kind of captain. stowaway he's to bas- captain, basically. <laughs> yep. 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 Wow. In two years. Yep. Um, three. Well, yeah, two years. Yeah. Did you want to say something? No, 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 no. Keep so, going. so year three, Manny gives chase, and a year later, he tracks them to a coral mining plant on the edge of the world. Domino's been holding Meche there as a trap to lure Manny. All of Domino's clients who had their tickets stolen are also being held there and used as slave labour, both to make a profit with the coral mining and as a way to keep Hector's scandal quiet. Domino tries to convince Manny to take over his position in the plant, seeing as he has no alternative and can spend the rest of his eternity with Meche, but he refuses. After rescuing Meche, Manny defeats Domino by causing him to fall into a rock crusher. Manny, along with Meche, Glottis and all the souls being held at the plant, then escape from the edge of the world. Mm. Edge of the world, where the producers flat it's earth. literally on the edge of no, the it's world. It's very clever. Yeah, it's, it looks like a waterfall. Um, but yeah, this whole... And you are underwater, aren't you, for quite uh, a bit this, of the game? Yeah, so the, the boat gets sort of cut in two, doesn't it? It's crazy, yeah. And then it sinks, and then there's a giant octopus. Yes, that you there is. have to fight, and then you end up using the submarine that yeah, it goes into. That's right, yeah. Um, 
I quite like year three. I like the look of it. I like the underwater elements of it, I have mm. to say. I thought that's quite clever. And you eventually meet that guy walking by with the light, the don't light, you? Yeah. He's, he's quite, I quite this like that This little light of mine. That yeah. song, even yeah. though I thought it was quite funny, it did go on a bit. It does, it does. <laughs> yeah. And you have to, he walks around the back of the screen, you have to get, catch him at yes, the right moment. You do. And if you miss him, you have to wait for him to go all the way. Oh, I know. I know. I missed him the first time. I wasn't sure what to do with him, but it yeah. It took me back to a free goes. <laughs> again, even though I knew what I, I was supposed to do, I was times. like, oh, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, again, it's another really cool location. Some, some bits of the game, and uh, it's not all about just controlling Manny. You have mm. to control like cranes yeah. and vehicles, and I think they do it relatively well. But like for example, the crane bit was a bit clunky. Do you remember that? You have to it is. So you've move got the, sort of like the overhead sort of map view, haven't you? And you have mm-hmm. to move it round, and then you have to. Do... So I told you about this. This is a warning as well to anyone who decides to play the remaster on the PlayStation, at least. If you do any of this in the wrong order, the game crashes. Ugh. So the first time I played it, the game crashed and I'd lost all my progress. Are you joking? I'd saved... The, the, the they start. must have patched that by now, no? Maybe. Maybe. This was a few years ago. Um, because I Googled it and I looked and it was a known thing. Other people had had the same oh, issue. Yeah. So because I'd only... Pre- and it doesn't auto-save the remaster. Um, and yeah. because I hadn't saved since the start of year three, I was like, oh, I don't want to do it all again. So then I did. I left it for ages yeah. and then came back to it like, well, okay, I'm going to start year three. And- it's quite a convoluted way of getting the crane working. You have to tang up the cables and put it up here and do this. You have to do it. I can see, well, without the without the bug, it's quite difficult to work out the exact chain reaction. Well, that's it. And if you, it would be easy to do it in slightly the wrong order. Yeah, really easy. cause that bug. <laughs> yeah, over the head. But it's, it would be. I quite like free. I like the element of it. <clears throat> I think it's quite brief overall. I don't think there's too many puzzles in year three no. once you've got the crane done. Um, but yeah, then they're off marching off towards the Aztec Temple and you can and the ninth gate of the underworld you can see where the gate is the train yes. where it should go through so well that's, that's the end it. of the game then yeah, 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 you try yeah. and go through it and he's like oh I better help my friends out that's it so the th- yeah. year four they travel for another year until they reach the terminus for the number nine train before the ninth underworld <clears throat> unfortunately the gatekeeper to the ninth underworld won't let the souls progress without their tickets mistakenly believing they've sold them and it's further revealed that a wicked soul has either not paid off their debt or tried to cheat the gatekeeper with a fake or stolen double-end ticket to great entrance. Um, when this happens, it causes the express chain to transform into the hell train. I was going to say, that's such a great bit it's of the cool, game. It's cool, isn't it? You, you, you see these happy punters ready to go in yeah, to live yeah, their yeah, life. With... And it also it's just like a cartoon almost. Like it turns into one of those weird, scary, demon-faced trains. It, yeah. oh, it's and it kind to... of jumps off the rails and goes straight down to hell. So it's all the people that have like bought their way onto the train. Don't well, like good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a really cool moment. So yeah, it sends them all to hell. Meanwhile, sadly, Glottis has fallen deathly ill. Manny learns from the demon stationed at the terminus that the only way to revive Glottis is to travel at high speeds to restore his purpose for being summoned. Manny and the others devise a makeshift fuel source to create a rocket train cart, which quickly takes Manny and Meche back to Rubakava to save Glottis's life. Yeah. Um, the three return to El Maro, now found to be fully in Hector's control and renamed as Nuevo Maro. Manny regroups with Sao and his expanded LSA, and with the help of Olivia, who volunteered to join the gang earlier in Rubacava, is and is able to learn about Hector's current activities. Further investigation reveals that Hector not only has been hauled in the number nine tickets, but he has created counterfeit versions that he sold to others while keeping the real tickets for himself, in a desperate attempt to balance out his sinful life and get out of the land of the dead. 
Manny tries to confront Hector, but is lured into another trap by Olivia, who is revealed to be Hector's girlfriend. No. She has also captured Sal, and Manny is taken to Hector's greenhouse to be sprouted. No, he's going to be sprouted. (laughs) Manny, step into my greenhouse. (laughs) Manny is able to defeat Hector after Sal sacrifices himself to prevent Olivia from interfering. Manny and Meche find the real double-end tickets, including the one that Meche should have received. Manny makes sure the rest of the tickets are given to their rightful owners. In turn, he is granted his own ticket for his good deeds. Mm. Together, Manny and Meche board the number nine for their happy journey to the ninth underworld, while Glottis, who cannot join them, waves a tearful goodbye. Oh. Nice. Yeah, it was, yeah it was So what happens end. to Glottis? Well, he gets to stay there, you know, in the land he gets of the dead. People they, they, they're yeah. summoned and that, you know, that he had his purpose is to go fast and mm. repair so cars. So he doesn't and... get a journey to anywhere then? No. He, he just... Is no, there. don't make me think about it too much. No. Get all sad. Poor Glottis. He's like, oh, one, of the, he's like one of the best really bits in cool the game. It's a really story. And you've really... inspired me to no, watch I the walkthrough. <laughs> watch it. Watch it. Well, just... Five hours of it. Or sit <laughs> it's down. worth watching like the movie because obviously people put it, the, the cutscenes and everything together as a movie on YouTube. That's worth a watch. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, yeah, again, there's some cool elements um, in year four. I like the bit where you have to go to the florist to get the well. special bullets, but then there's there's a crocodile in the sewers. Yeah, yeah, and you have to sort of move the. You have to. So you've thing. got a car with like extending legs. If you it's like, like pimp my ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to like trap the crocodile's tail <laughs> okay. so that you can. Oh, and it's obviously a giant skeleton. crocodile in the it's, sewers. I've seen a, that somewhere before. Yes, Resident <laughs> Evil. Eventually, yeah. yeah, this is a skeletal crocodile, obviously, oh, okay. to fit in with the theme. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you have to trap his tail Makes so that you can sense. go past and. They have to use a scythe again, don't you? On the bell in the, the yeah, sh- the which took me a while to get my head around. Yeah, what, I can't. This guy's not like helping out, mm. and the bell makes him sort of ping out of his kind of crazy mood. That's Back it. To yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, customer service one hundred and one, basically. It does. It just gives you what you want. Yeah, like, there you go. Um, but what did you think about the ending? I thought the ending was quite cool. We have like it's quite cinematic. I where quite you like show down with the big greenhouse at yeah. the end, and how yeah, I thought that was very clever actually. I really. By then, I could tell the game was so close to finishing. I was yeah. like, well, all right, I want to finish this now and, and really sort of savour it. And I have to say, yeah, the ending was so good. It's the way it sprouted cool. at the end. Yes. Yeah, because so you put the Sproutella into the water system that feeds the sprinklers in the greenhouse. So there's no escape. That's right, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's a, I like that bit of the, the game, actually. I quite like how you go back. I quite like it when yes. puzzle games make you go back to the previous yeah, yeah, location, yeah. but in a slightly different... You, you do slightly different things. So you have to go and get the costume, don't you? You do. So you have to pour the coffee on the guys, that's that, right. the, the actors. The, the it's like, oh, no, yeah, and you go and put the, put the costume on. And, yeah, it's... it's I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the puzzle's obviously not to everyone's taste. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, to say the least, one of them sitting. I've played a lot least. of a lot of those LucasArts games, and t- hey, it's not. It's, I'm not trying to be too negative, but the puzzles. I, I've played better puzzles in other games. Yeah, but the setting in the story is up there with the best. I really mean that. Um, I like it a lot. I don't. I don't think you're wrapping up, Keith. Necessarily, but yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, so. I did really enjoy it. I did use the walkthrough a few times mm. each year because I was because if I didn't, I probably would have given up. The and frustration like would have it did won. Get, yeah. It did get a bit frustrating now and then, especially when I thought, oh, okay, I wouldn't have went that anyway. If yeah. that makes sense. Right, amen for the guys and girls that put those walkthroughs out yeah. there. Yeah. Oh god. Because yeah. I think you'd otherwise. Oh, man, there's you'd... so many games I wouldn't have finished <laughs> without walkthroughs. I mean, I'd, I'm I'm actually really interested to hear about like what people thought of it okay. and what critics because purely because That's convenient. Well, no, <laughs> no, seriously, because because yeah, yeah. you've got there's there's such a Oh, it's a great story. It's so immersive. Yeah. It's so well, you know, drawn and written and etc. Oh, but the puzzles. Mm. Like, 
Where, like, how does that stack up? Well, let's have a look. Quick reception. Grim Fandango gained critical acclaim upon its release. Mm. Aggregating review website Metacritic gave the game a score of 94 Ooh. out of 100. Ouch. Um, critics lauded the art direction in particular, with GameSpot rating the visual design as consistently great. PC Zone emphasised the production as a whole, calling the direction, costumes, characters, music and atmosphere expertly done. They also commented the game would make a superb film. The San Francisco Chronicle stated Grim Fandango feels like a wild dance through a cartoonish film noir adventure. Fair. It's wacky characters, seductive puzzle-filled plot, Ooh. and a nearly invisible interface. That's true. There's no true, yeah. there's no HUD or anything at all on screen, um, which mm, sometimes you need that, just that little bit of a nudge, especially if you're new to adventure games. It's yeah. sort of, where am I going? What am I doing? Um Allows players to lose themselves in the game just as cinema goers might get lost in a movie. Um, the Houston Chronicle, in naming Grim Fandango the best game of 1998 along with Half-Life, complimented the graphics, calling them jaw-dropping, and commented that the game is both is full of both dark and light humour. IGN summed its review up by saying the game was the best adventure game it had ever seen. Next Generation reviewed the PC version of the game, rating it 5 out of 5, and stated that Grim Fandango is a smart, beautiful, and enjoyable adventure game that will leave you holding your breath waiting for Grim Fandango 2. Yeah. I hope no one did that, because they will be dead. <laughs> long, yeah, they'll, be, they'll, long they'll, they'll be well on their they'll way. They'll be in the land of the dead. They'll be well on their way, won't they? <laughs> um, in 1999, Next Generation listed Grim Fandango as number 26 on their top 50 games of all time. Oof commenting that Grimm offered adventure fans funny, touching and infuriating moments in following its characters and it did so through a magnificently beautiful game. Um, it won several awards after its release. PC Gamers selected it as the 1998 Adventure Game of the Year. It won IGN's Best Adventure Game of the Year. GameSpot awarded it their Best of E3 1998, PC Adventure Game of the Year, PC Game of the Year, <laughs> Best PC Graphics for Artistic Design, Best PC Music, so they thought it was okay then. And it's Game of the Year Award for 1998. And the following year included the game in their 10 best PC game soundtracks. Uh, Grim the, Fandango. The soundtrack sorry, is amazing, by the way, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. I'm going to mention that sorry, separately okay. in a sec. Yeah, yeah. Grim Fandango has been included in several publishers' top games lists well after its release. GameSpot inducted the game into their greatest games of all time in 2003, citing asked just about anyone who's played Grim Fandango, and he or she would agree that it's one of the greatest games of all time. Adrian, would you agree with that? That's quite high praise if you didn't enjoy the game. Not, not if you the don't enjoy the game gameplay, that's. No. Uh, GameSpy also added the game to their Hall of Fame in 2004, describing it as the seventh most underrated game of all time. How do you rank that? How do you rank the most underrated games of all time? So do I. They've clearly rated it quite highly anyway. Yeah. Like, given all that what are the other six? So how is it underrated? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Well, that's it. By doing a list of most underrated, surely it's no longer underrated. Yeah, you've rated them. You've now rated it. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's a like weird. a slug. <laughs> <laughs> adventure Gamers listed Grim Fandango as the seventh top adventure game of all time. Um, in their 2011 list of top... Hang on, that doesn't make sense. They listed it seventh in 2004, but by 2011, it was listed as number one. So that's odd. Interesting. In 2007, IGN included the game in the top 25 PC games and the top 100 games of all time, citing that LucasArts' second-to-last stab at the classic adventure genre may very well be the most original and brilliant one ever made. So, so a few was- people liked it. 
Just a few. Okay. Just a few, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And while we're discussing the game's reception, as Aid said, special mention must go to the soundtrack. Mm. Um, it's got an original soundtrack that combines an orchestral score, mm-hmm. um, South American folk music, jazz, bebop, yeah. swing, big band music, mm-hmm. um, inspired by the likes of Duke Ellington and Benny Goodman, as well mm-hmm. as film composers Max Steiner and Adolf Deutsch. Um, it also has various influences from traditional Russian, Celtic, Mexican, Spanish, and Indian culture. It was composed and produced by Peter McConnell at LucasArts and was released on CD in 1998. Um, you loved it. Yeah, I like the music, actually. I it, think was, it, it just it fit, fit really perfectly, well. didn't yeah, it? it did. Um, it really did. Um, the soundtrack itself was well received. IGN called it a beautiful soundtrack that you'll find yourself listening to even after you're done with the game. And that the compositions and performances are so good that listening to this album on a standalone basis can make people feel like they're in a bar from back then. I don't know when back then is when they were dead or in the 1930s. Probably. <laughs> um, Game Revolution in the, their review praised it as one of the most memorable soundtracks ever to grace the inside of a cranial cavity where an eardrum used to be. Very nice. nice. Um, in 2017, Fact Magazine listed it as one of the 100 best video game soundtracks of all time. Fact. <laughs> In 1999's Academy of Interactive Arts and Scientists Annual Interactive Achievement Awards, it's catchy, the soundtrack was nominated in the category of Outstanding Achievement in Sound and Music. Um, and it was also lauded by GameSpot, who awarded it the Best PC Music Award and included it in the 10 Best PC Game Soundtracks list in 1999. Now, sales figures... Not so easy to come by, as you know, James. We talked about this we, before. We, I, I, I spoke to you about this yeah. a while back, and I was like, it was like, my, I think it was like my first. It's for Mega so, Man. Wasn't it was Mega it? Man. It was trying Mega to find the like, original games figures. L- literally, there was nothing. There was and nothing. It, it, everyone would kind of wax lyrical about how great they were. Yeah. And, and it was like, yeah, what was it? But until, no. until it became a hit, sales wise, you could. You nope. know, the figures just aren't there. Nope. But according to Tim Schafer. Um, Grim Fandango had achieved sales of approximately 500,000 units by 2012, um, which was around 50% fewer than Full Throttle had achieved. So it's not a huge amount. I mean, it's no, not that half a million. No. Um, yeah. It's commonly considered a commercial failure, even though LucasArts stated that Grim Fandango met domestic expectations and exceeded them worldwide. How weird, like. To me, that's a bit... Well, it is strange and it isn't. Like, massive critical acclaim. Mm, Clearly, yeah. people loved it, but they didn't love it enough to I buy think, it. Again, <laughs> it's, it's something that sort of come up before about this This was probably like the last hurrah of like the classic era of point-and-click adventure yeah. games. And again, by that time, we're deep in the 32-bit console era and maybe just... Even though it looked amazing and sounded amazing and it was a great story... It's a bit of a shame, really, isn't it? That yeah. It didn't, it didn't kind of do better. But. It's, it's, a, it's a nature of the time, unfortunately, because mm. point-and-click games have been losing their way a bit and people wanted yeah. other stuff. I blame RTS games. I'm just going to say <laughs> that. Well, there we go. Um, <laughs> So um, it was on the way out. Monkey yeah. Island was was you know losing its legs a little bit. People were they wanted look look at Warcraft Adventures. You know that 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 should have exploded, but no one mm. it never got finished. That wasn't. This is like the it's last of dice. So the game had apparently the game had become profitable by the year two thousand. Although Dave Grossman has said it was pretty ambitious and expensive, and I don't think it made very much money back. Um, as Edge magazine summarised in 2009, while its reputation as a flop isn't entirely accurate, Grim sales were either an indication that people preferred motorbikes to cigarette smoking corpses or a sign of the times. Adventure games were simply on their way out. Yeah. While LucasArts proceeded to produce Escape from Monkey Island in 2000, they cancelled the development, se- uh, the development of sequels to Sam and Max Hit the Road and Full Throttle. 
stating that after careful evaluation of current marketplace realities and underlying economic considerations, we've decided that this was not the appropriate time to launch a graphic adventure on the PC. Subsequently, the studio dismissed many of the people involved with their adventure games, some of whom went on to set up Telltale Games, yep. who are now very famous for their episodic adventure games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, these events, Walking Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they've done, they've done loads, haven't they? Um, these events, along with the video game market trending towards action-based games, are seen as primary causes in the decline of the adventure game genre. LucasArts stated in 2006 that they did not plan on returning to adventure games until the next decade. And ultimately, the studio stopped developing video games in 2013 after the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm. And it was dissolved shortly thereafter. <laughs> like, God knows how many other companies they've yeah. vacuumed up. Yeah. Um, so, Legacy, just as we come to the end, the legacy of, of Grim Fandango. Um, in 2005, The Guardian characterized the game as the last genuine classic to come from LucasArts, the company that helped define mm. adventure games. Tim Schafer's noir pastiche follows Skullface Manny Calavera through a bureaucratic parody of the Land of the Dead, with a look that takes from both Mexican mythology and Art Deco. Grim Fandango is as unique an artistic statement as mainstream gaming has yet managed to offer. While loved by its devotees, its limited sales prompted LucasArts to back away from original adventures to simply exploit franchises. Sad. Um, Eurogamer's Jeffrey Machuleff in a 2012 retrospective, believed that Grim Fandango's combination of film noir and the adventure game genre was the first of its kind and a natural fit due to the script-heavy nature of both and would later help influence games with similar themes like Ace Attorney series and L.A. Noir. Ah. Um, (laughs) Grim Fandango has been considered a representative title demonstrating video games as an art form. The game was selected in 2012 as a candidate for public voting for inclusion in the Smithsonian Institution's The Art of Video Games exhibit, while the Museum of Modern Art seeks to install the game as an exhibit as part of its permanent collection within the Department of Architecture and Design, which is, that's really cool. That is cool. That's a big Um, blade. The game was included in the Game Masters exhibition organised in 2012 by the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, an event devoted to explore the faces behind the history of computer games. Uh, Tim Schafer was featured as the creative force within the exhibition called Game Changers, crediting him and a few other visionary game designers for having pushed the boundaries of game design and storytelling, introducing new genres, creating our best-loved characters, and revolutionising the way we understand and play games. Um, The game itself has been the centrepiece of a large fan community for the game that's continued to be active more than, well, it's now 20 years after the game's release. Such fan communities include the Grim Fandango Network and the Department of Death, both of which include fan art and fiction in addition to other original content. In an interview with Kotaku, after the announcement of the remastered version of the game, Schaefer stated that he'd long considered the idea of a Grim Fandango Fandango sequel to further expand on the setting of the game. He felt the story would be a difficult component, as either they would have to figure a means to bring Manny back from his final reward, or otherwise build the story around a new character. One option he considered to alleviate that issue is by creating an adventure game using an open world mechanic similar to the GTA series. Wow. GTA Grim Fandango. GTA Grim Fandango. I mean, I love to be able to Grim Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. Very good. But I like that, though. I mean, if you think one of the one of the fun parts, again, like talking about like Ruba Carver, one of the bits I really enjoyed is sort of exploring the world. And if you just went, okay, well, it's now less of an adventure game, more of an open world game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. building on those the places that you visit in the story. I would like, I would play that. I would enjoy it. I would. Um, I would. And so that's it. That's, that's Grim Fandango. 
So, Dil, do you think you would at least maybe watch someone else play? I would definitely, <laughs> definitely. I like the way you just very gently dipped your yeah. toe in there. Yeah. I would definitely watch someone else play it. I, I, I want to see all of that kind of unfold and all these like funny little the things. Sto- it's, mm. it's worth the dialogue and the story. It, it is worth experiencing, mm. definitely. Well, kind of live out the frustration mm. of the puzzles, probably. It's the best way to but do it. The, I suppose, you know, again, sort of kind of needling reviewers a little bit mm. they'd have access to a walkthrough or something on cheat and something like, of course they yeah. wouldn't a lot of those reviews are probably written by people who haven't experienced, experienced the frustrations the frustration. of trying to work out these dumb puzzles but yeah, it's true it's true but 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 Tell us how you really that feel. was part and parcel of the adventure thing. Like you got stuck, you had to find a magazine that had a walkthrough. Yeah, dig I it all those days. Oh, back then, it's yeah. sort of that time, you know, that late kind of nineties. Still kind of mm. clinging on to that. Now it's just gaming is different. Uh, today's gamer wouldn't wouldn't yeah. have a grand We were less patient, aren't we? Back back in the day, I could watch any old movie and say, oh, I'll just watch it. But now we I'm are like, less patient. Yeah. We are less patient. And these sort of games, you need to have some patience. I think. Oh, definitely. But is that yeah. just because we're old? Or, or is that nah, because, so? If you, mobile phones. So if you, yeah. if you, smartphones have done it to us. Yeah, oh no! Everything is now it's instant gratification. Yeah. You, yeah. You've literally got information, you know, games and movies, etc. It's on tap. Yeah, you can watch a film on your phone in seconds. You know, you can play a game on your phone yeah, in seconds. Yeah, yeah. So instant. But is is that to kind of because as we know mm. that that the whole sort of retro revival and, and especially games like that that, mm. have, that look and sound just outstanding in their field yeah. you know there, there's 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 an appetite you know it's always been building as we've said you know we're, we're coming up to those 250 300 episodes of talking about this kind of stuff and it's it's only getting bigger yeah, you know so you know do, do appetites kind of grow for this sort of thing and you know clearly there's a following still Oh, um, yeah. you know, so there's another, there's another kind of thing that, that does, does that kind of, you know, do you blow the lid open on that again and, and mm. create something? I don't know. Yeah. You know, the puzzles, yeah. Frustrating time to put into it. Yeah. Maybe some people wouldn't bother, but you know, th- there's only got to be enough people out there to, to do it, to make it successful, I suppose. To, yeah. Who knows? Who there was knows? obviously enough of a demand out there in the first place for it to be remasters and, you know. Yeah, it only sold five hundred thousand copies, but that was only, it was literally only available on PC. Yes, at that point. So I imagine I would be interested. I couldn't find them, but to see what the sales are now post remaster, where it's been available yeah. on PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, etc. Um, Eight before we I, go, where we, would you? Oh, go on. I just I don't know if you know about this, Keith, but in twenty eighteen, Tim Schafer. Yes, Andy. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, but I think Jack Black was involved he as was, well. They yeah. got the, the 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 orchestra involved, and they did a bit of read through the main parts. Yeah, I of think the it was at E three or something. E three, and they Coliseum, sat down yeah. on stage and they went through some of this, so like a live reading of the script. Nice. They had the music. Yeah, hour, yeah, yeah, it's worth a watch if you're a fan That's of the game. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Aid, where would you rank it in your pantheon of LucasArts adventure games? Right, taking into account all aspects. Not just the frustration you felt. Yeah. So it's an interesting one for me because nostalgia, it's not a huge nostalgia for mm. me because I, I only played it very yeah, briefly yeah. when I was a young whippersnapper. But for me, it you know, is it my favourite Tim Schafer point-click game? I don't know. I quite like Full Throttle. I think Full Throttle, the puzzles are better. I quite, I'm always... I hate to say it, and I love the art of Grim Fandango, mm. but I, I'm a stickler for that 2D, yeah. that colourful LucasArts feel. But I do, uh, the setting it puts it up there. 
So it, it's not my favourite LucasArts point and click game. I'm going to be honest with you. Yep. But it's not the bottom one. Okay, it's in the middle. It's in the middle. I'm, I'm sitting on the That's fence. Fair. So it's That's smack fair. in the middle for me. James, do you think you're going to go I, on and play it? I do actually want to play it. Yeah. Like, like. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not completely averse to puzzles. Mm. I mean, I'm going to buy you a stress ball or print out the wall. I've got, I've got plenty of stress balls. I have three young children. <laughs> and no, just don't to, use them as stress no, balls. No, they're not stress balls. Just to <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I actually do because I, I, I haven't played it, um, but I have watched several, you know, videos yeah. on the yeah. cutscenes, the intro. Um, there was someone that did actually, a, you know, commentary over the intro about okay. some of the development. Um, and someone that did like a whistle stop on the four years, oh, nice. stuff like that. So yeah. I, I've seen, you know, the characters and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, it looks just, you know, really engaging and really colorful. And then obviously you've got all of the art, um, you know, all of the film noir all the feel to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and the, like you say, all of the sounds of things going on in the distance. Stuff yeah, like that. So yeah. I love that type of stuff. I love that. The extra, world building is really good. The extra good. layer of all yeah. of the feelings and stuff like that. Yeah. It's great. It's, it, it, so yeah, I do think I'd actually, you know, go and play it. And as I say, I can, I can get the remastered for a tenner on Xbox. Excellent. Um, and I, you know, what I do think I might give it a stab. Good. Glad ba- to hear and, it. and based on what you've said. So hey. bravo. Well, thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you made it past the intro. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you can, check out Grim Fandango. It's available everywhere. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.